I heard a lot of people the past few weeks say that they were excited about Thanksgiving this year because for the most part, for the past two years, people haven't been able to, to get together as a family on Thanksgiving or on other holidays. And I know there's still some families and situations that are cautious, and I'm not really here to talk about that. What I want to reflect on tonight is how much this entire pandemic has really given everyone a feeling of being held back. Society globally has really been held back from being able to do all the things that we would normally do, right? Or to do things in a normal way. And what is most interesting about this situation is that regardless of how many personal precautions we may take, the fact of the matter is that there was and still is very little that we as a human race can do to speed things up, so to say, right? With elections, if you don't like the way things are being done, right, you just vote for someone else. If you don't like your job, you quit. If you get a sinus infection, you go to the doctor and you get a shot, but not with this pandemic. We can't control it, or better yet, we couldn't simply tell it to go away and then tomorrow proceed as if nothing had happened. And that is maddening for some people, right? The lack of control that we had over the situation. We have become so accustomed as a people to the amount of control that each of us has over our own destinies. And so the lack of the control of this situation gave most people more grief than the virus itself, right? The lack of control over this situation gave people more grief than the virus itself, right? But that is really why some people, even good Christians, have a hard time understanding the concept of original sin, for instance, right? None of us are responsible for our fallen nature, and none of us can do anything about it, right? Only God had and has authority over that. And only an act of God can remove this burden from us. Now, as a church, we tend to look at things in three different directions, right? We look at the past, we look at the present, we look at the future. So in the present, we can do something about original sin in a way, right? We can bring our kids to church and get them baptized, where even then, it's really only God who acts, right? And we who cooperate with his action. But if we look to the past, however, we can see how the whole course of human history how it was God who had to act in order for us to be saved, right? St. Luke will begin his gospel by looking in two directions tonight. He looks forward and backwards. He says, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on earth nations will be in dismay. Now, the term here in Greek really means nations will be held back. And certainly that's how the Israelites felt when they wandered through the desert for 40 years, right? They're so close and yet so far away, held back by the sin of their parents, right? Something they couldn't control. The coming of Christ to them seemed like a very distant promise, and it was really, right? It was a 2,000-year-old promise at the point that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And I'm not sure if any of you have ever had a similar experience to what I'm about to talk about, but maybe someone in your family or you yourself has suddenly had some serious and unexplained medical issue, right? And you rush to the emergency room only to be told you got to fill out all this paperwork, right? And then you wait and wait and wait. You wait some more 
and you start counting all the people in the room and you're comparing that with how many names are being called by the nurse and you're trying to figure out where you stand, right? And it seems like everyone else in the room is just there to get their toenails clipped, right? Something less serious. That whole situation is agonizing, right? Because you're afraid of the unknown. Will the doctor behind those double doors be able to know what's causing this issue? Is he going to be able to fix it? Is this really going to be a life-threatening situation, right? And even if you get admitted to the hospital, there's going to be more waiting, right? You're going to wait for your blood work to come in. You're going to wait to get a room. You're going to wait for the doctor to make his way to the room, which probably is going to take all day long, right? St. Luke says, people will die of fright in anticipation of what is to come upon the world, right? That's the sort of feeling that he's getting at. People for so long in Jewish history were terrified of what was going to happen to them next. And all they had to do was wait. That's all they could do, right? What nation is going to invade us next? Where are we ever going to be saved from this? Or St. Luke is looking into the future. Will the Roman Empire destroy Jerusalem? Right? It did, after all. Will people still suffer? Right? Thousands of Christians were martyred after Luke's time. There could be so many questions, so much anticipation and fear while they're waiting. I mean, can you put yourself in their shoes for a moment? Imagine you're an early Christian meeting in secret at some house in a clandestine area for Mass hoping that you're not to be discovered, right? Because you remember what happened to your friends when they were discovered saying Mass. Now they're food for lions at the call of sin. Would it ever be safe to go to Mass? Would God ever really save his people? Would things ever be normal again? Waiting. You see, in a small way, I think this pandemic has given us a little taste of fear. Fear of the unknown. And that fear can sometimes make us do rash things. It can make us judge people quickly. It can make us cower and hide. It can make us quick to place all our hope and confidence in in one Messiah, right? A false Messiah, a person, a medicine, whatever it is, right? But if the moment comes that this whole virus disappears, only then are we going to have a feeling of release where we can catch our breath, right? So think again about those early Christians, huddled in fear, underground, and hiding from the empire. Imagine how they felt hearing Constantine's edict read out in the streets that Christianity is now legal in the empire. How many Christians probably didn't believe that? I imagine a good number of them hid underground for months, still, afterwards, right? They're terrified this was a trick. But when the realization finally comes to them that they're safe, that they're more than safe now, right? That they have been saved That's a feeling of relief. That is the feeling the church wants us to have during Advent. People who aren't afraid don't find much use in hope, right? But when you're terrified, when you're held back by fear, hope is the only thing that can keep you alive. And that's the way that Israel awaited Christ with each passing year. When the angels appeared in Bethlehem and sang out on Christmas night, That brought relief to those shepherds. Peace on earth would have been received as an incredible message to a nation that's torn by war and oppression. You know, one of the things that really bothers me, I think I preached on it at Christmas three years ago when I was here as a deacon, right? Is when we make Christmas into a children's holiday, or just a children's holiday, right? 
Because it's the only thing, if the only thing we're looking forward to at Christmas is Christmas lights and movies and pageants, presents, food, and yes, even time together as a family after months and months of separation, if that's all we're looking forward to, then we've missed the whole point, right? We do such a disservice to children by making Christmas their feast day, right? Their feast day is their birthday, right? Christmas is about Jesus. Christmas was the sigh of relief. It was the moment that hope turned to joy for the Israelites. They spent all this time searching for a solution for 2,000 years, waiting in terror. And then suddenly, in the birth of Christ, the solution came to them. It was given to them. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. So in Advent, we look in two directions. We look behind us to the past, remembering that God saved us once before, but we also remember that he made us a promise, and for that we look forward. And it's been a long wait, right? We have 2,000 years of waiting under our belts now, too. May these coming weeks be a time to reawaken in us the anxious longing that we should all have for Christ. I think we should mean the words when we sing it. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.